So I, you know, I'm, I love that I get to, I get to actually speak with you, with, with our congregation this morning. This is great because um, I find that summers, uh, if we haven't met yet, by the way, my name is Ryan. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here at Generations Church. And summers, it's funny, we used to say that summers was like, you know, oh, it's going to be easier in the summer. And then you just realize that like summer's like the busiest season of all. It was crazy. And so I always find in the summer, um, I make it to church uh, here on a Sunday morning uh, three Sundays every summer. That's usually how it goes uh, because we have so many different things. We had youth camps going on and missions trips going on. And uh, we had our family camping last week. So I was speaking up at that, that place. And, and so I always feel like it's just exciting when I get to be here in the summer, mostly because then um, you, you guys know that I, I still work here. Um, so... <laughs> That always makes me feel better. And anyways, yeah, so, so hi, I still work here, uh, but it's good to be here. It's good to, <laughs> it's good to see you guys. You know, one of the things uh, I've noticed is that um, as, as, I'm getting, as I'm getting older, but not old, just older, um, as I'm getting older, um, that I, like I, th- I think I'm a pretty easygoing guy, but like there's certain things, there's just certain things I just feel like I, I realize I've just become maybe just a little bit particular about. And it's probably just me, right? Like nobody else. But like, like so for example, one of the things that I get really particular about is, is, is how, how one folds a t-shirt, actually. Now, you know, here's the thing. Okay, now there are, there are some people that just need the Lord's grace. That they, do you know, they, they fold their t-shirts like this. They fold them right in half like this. And they put them in. This is not, this is not a, like, no, no, no. Now, I, I get a little particular about it. And you know what the reason is? Because when I take it out of the closet, I get this crease right down the front of my shirt. And it just makes me crazy. I'm like, that's not how we've, we, you don't. So I, I, always, I always like, I always say, no, we're going to fold our shirts properly. We're going to fold them this way, right? So that then, you know, we're not going to get into these like creases. And I can see what the, you know, I can see what's on my shirt before I pull it out. I mean, is there, is there it's hard to do standing up. But you, you, is anyone else with me? Is this a thing for you or no? Okay, some of you are like, you're praying for me now. You're just like, what, what is wrong with you? Well, there, there's, a, there's a couple other things I've noticed I'm a little bit particular about. Another one is, is coffee. And there's certain things that like I would say, you know, that, like sometimes it's really just a matter of preference. Like I suppose the t-shirt thing, I might be particular about it, but it's really just like, that's my preference. Maybe, maybe you love having a crease. You're like, man, I just need to know where my belly button is. So like I, if I have this crease, like, you know, someone's like, hey, where's your belly button? We'll just follow the line. It's right there. That's, that's how I know. And, and hey, if that's the way you go, that's okay. But there are other people, or are there are other situations where it's really not a matter of preference. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of what's moral and is right and is right from wrong. And there are some people who they buy this instant coffee crystals and they dump this stuff in water and like, no, 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 no. You know, you know, someone, we, we serve coffee after church every Sunday and, you know, and so, someone said, you know, well, what do we do if somebody comes and they say, well, that, I, I don't like that coffee. I prefer instant. I said, well, you just tell them they can go find another church because we're just not going to do that. And uh, like, it's just not, that's not going to happen. So there's some people that would, they would, they would do that. They would go that way, but that's not the way coffee should be made. And, and in fact, you know, if you're going to do it properly, you know, you really, you gotta, you gotta grind your own beans, you know? Like, don't, none of this pre-ground nonsense that all the kids are into these days, none of that. 
you gotta do it. And I mean, if we're really gonna be a purist here, I mean, come on, like, come on, let's, can we press? Can we, can we do that? You know, you got a coarse ground. There you go, right in the press. And um, this is, this is right, you know, and it's gotta be done properly. You know, I, I, need, I need four minutes, like actually. And so I'm just gonna go ahead and just do that now. You know, there we go. That's good. We're gonna do that. I'm just gonna let this sit here for a couple of minutes. Oh, actually, hold on, I've missed a step. Do you guys know the steps? You gotta stir. Come on now. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Now, it's funny, because I can tell right now, looking at your faces, some of you know what's going on, and others of you are just like, some of you are like, he's got problems. I do, but bad coffee ain't one of them, so we're okay. And um, we're just, we're just going to let that sit there just, just nicely, just nicely. And uh, four minutes, we'll, we'll be back for this. We'll be, we'll be back. You know, that's, that's just the thing, is that there are some people, though, that they, they, would, they wouldn't do those steps. They would just, you know, pour some coffee crystals in there. And I just think that's just the wrong way. Um, and I'm... I'm very confident that the Lord agrees with me, so that's, we're just, we're just gonna put it out there. You know, just, just, this is just for free, like just completely on the side. You know that coffee is actually the most spiritual beverage there is. Really, it is. Uh, and I say that seriously because it was actually invented by monks so they could stay awake longer to pray. Like you don't get much more Christian than that. You know, so I just feel like the Lord is just, you know, he's just blessing our consumption. God bless us all. And that's just good. But anyways, um, you know, that's, that's my way. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to sound like I'm crazy, but if you try to mess with, like, my way on certain things, you might find that we actually have a kind of a hard time being friends. Like, I'll be nice to you, but, like, we're probably not going to really get along uh, because I like it my way. And, 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 you know, that's the thing, is that when you have a way of doing things, you just kind of hold on to it. And if we're really be honest, we all have something that is our way. Like we all do. I mean, mine might be coffee and folding t-shirts or whatever, but you've got something too. You're like, but that, that's my way. You know, we have a way that we do our breakfast cereal. We have a way that we like to drive to church. Anybody? Come on now. There's a way. He's like, this is the way I go. And if your spouse says, why don't you go that way? Psh, psh, this is my way. Don't mess with my, this is the way I go. But it'd be faster to go that way. Psh, it's my way. You know, and we've, we've got these things, these sacred traditions of how that we like to do things. You know, we all, we all have a way that we like to organize our task list. And let me ask you, what happens when somebody with a different way looks over your shoulder and says, why are you doing it like that? What happens? Well, somebody calls 911, don't they? Right? What happens when somebody pokes their nose into our lives and says, you, let me impose my way on your way. It doesn't, it doesn't go well. Um, you know, a way is kind of about mastering life. It's like, this is, this is the way that I do things. We develop a way because it's useful to us. So, you know, we, we, we've all learned our way of paying our bills. We've all, you know, learned our way of managing our time. 
And we all of us, all of us have a way at our favorite restaurant. Meaning that, you know, no matter how much we like variety, we've all got that one restaurant where when we go there, we ordered the same thing every time because it's our way. And when we go to our favorite restaurant with somebody who doesn't go to that restaurant and they say, oh, but why don't you try the nachos? And you're just like, let me just explain this one time. I ordered the Chipotle chicken cheese quesadilla with no onions, dill dip. That's the way I do it. Don't ask me about any nachos. That's the way I do it. You know, I had that experience where that was what I ordered every time and then the restaurant took my, my, my way off the menu. And I wasn't even looking at the menu, so I just get there and I'd be like, I'll have this. Like, we don't have that on the menu anymore. And I just looked at them and I said, so here's what I need you to do. I want you to go in the kitchen. I want you to find out if they still have the ingredients. It's like, okay. And if they do, that's what I'm gonna have. She came back and says, well, we do have the ingredients. I said, okay, let's do that. This went on for about a year and a half. And then one day they came out of the kitchen. They said, um, we got new chefs. They have no idea how to make that. It's hard when somebody messes with our way. It's hard. It's hard. And I bet you we've all had somebody who's tried to change our way. I can prove it. Put up your hand if you're married. Somebody tried to change your way, didn't they? And I don't mean like historically, like I mean yesterday. You know, because you marry, that's what happens, is before you know it, somebody's changing your way. And we've all had at least one bad experience. Uh, we've all had uh, at least one big fight over our way. I get it. And the thing is, listen, having a way is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's very practical. You know, we get good at certain things. We build our lives around them. You know, I will bet you the way your grandma cooked chicken was legendary. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that way, right? But the thing about ways is that we do get used to them. And then here's what happens. Eventually, hold on. Eventually, despite the fact that you have your way, what happens is that eventually we meet Jesus. And Jesus has a really, really, really consistent habit of disrupting our ways. He does. When Jesus shows up, I mean, and you know, sometimes when we read this story, he does it so calmly, you know, I would bet you, there's this one time Jesus did this, and I bet you you've read this story so many times that you probably never even stopped to notice what was going on. I, I wanna read to you this morning from Matthew chapter four. If you wanna turn there uh, in your Bibles, we're gonna put it up on the screen as well, but Matthew chapter four, verses 18, 22, uh, let, let me read this to you. So Jesus 
is walking along the beach of Lake Galilee and, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who is later called Peter and Andrew. And they were fishing, they were throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Right? So you just time out. This was not like, hey, I got a boat and I'm going out for a good time. This was their work. This was not their hobby, this is their work. And then Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you and then I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And they didn't ask questions. They simply dropped their nets and they followed. Now, we need to put that into perspective for a minute. Just that that little snippet of that, that story. Have you ever noticed that whenever something happens, it's what happened immediately before it that gives it its context? So like when you run into the room, when you run into your house and you scream, hey, come quick, it's whatever you were just doing right before you yelled that that gives the meaning to what's going on. So if you just got half price ice cream from the ice cream truck in the neighborhood and you run in the house and say, hey, come quick, that's a good thing, right? Because you just got half price ice cream. If the neighbor's kid is puking uncontrollably on your car in the driveway and you run in the house, Say, hey, come quick. That's a bad thing. It's saying, I don't know what to do about this. And I mean, hey, if you were outside bored and you just dressed up your pet in a Halloween costume, and you run in the house, say, hey, come quick. Like they're getting some weird, aren't they? Like that's just, yeah, they are. You know, it's the context of what just happened that always gives us the real meaning of what's going on. And, and in this story, You know, Jesus has just called these disciples to stop what they're doing, their way, their regular way of life and and follow him. But what had happened right before this? Well, right before this, Jesus had been in the desert and Satan had appeared to him to tempt him. Satan had tempted Jesus uh, earlier on in this chapter, right? Verse starting in verse one, Satan had tempted Jesus to use his power for his own good, to satisfy his own whims. And Jesus had refused. Jesus said, no, I'm not not going to do that. And he just, he kept responding to, to Satan with scripture saying, no, well, scripture says this, so I'm not doing that. And, and then Satan attempted, after that, he tempted Jesus to test God's care over his life with a leap that would have otherwise been suicidal. And, and again, Jesus responded with scripture says, no, no, God's word says this, I'm not doing that. And finally, Satan had offered Jesus all of the power and the prestige in the known world if Jesus would just start worshiping him instead of God, his father. And once again, Jesus just responds with scripture and he shuts it down and he refuses. And this was no like, you know, afternoon event. I mean, the the Bible tells us that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting. And it was in that time period preparing for his ministry and his work that Satan had appeared to him and began to tempt him. And so for 40 days and nights, Jesus was walking this journey And he does it with power and integrity and he says no to those temptations. And then as soon as that's done, Jesus walks into the public life. It was right after these 40 days where Satan had been tempting them that having proven himself, he then steps into the public light and he begins to crank things up. He starts preaching about who God is and what God's about to do. 
He starts proclaiming the gospel. He starts saying, listen, the kingdom of God has now come. And people are looking around. He's like, right here. And he starts proclaiming who God is and what God's doing. This is serious business. And it's in the shadow of these two events, he's in the desert for 40 days. He's tempted, but he keeps responding with scripture. He keeps saying, no, I'm not doing that. And then he starts his ministry. He's proclaiming God's word. He's proclaiming the good news with power. And it's right after that, he then calls his disciples. So you kind of get this impression when you read this story that if they respond to him, they're going to find out real fast that following Jesus is not going to be like taking up knitting. Because let's look at the context. The guy who says, hey, follow me, just had a 40-day showdown with Satan and has been walking around healing people and proclaiming that the power of God has now come. That's the guy who's doing the calling. It's not like this little itty-bitty thing. And, and when you keep reading, when you kind of flip forward in the story, you realize this is no joke because right after Jesus calls the disciples, well, what does he do? He just gets back to what he was doing, this, this preaching, and then he starts healing people with diseases. He's casting out demons. He's doing all kinds of miracles. But it doesn't stop there. In fact, this is the part that I think we minimize sometimes. Because before you know it, like if things weren't serious already, they get really serious. Those disciples that he called, those fishermen that he says, hey, follow me. Well, now Jesus is sending them out and they're now healing the sick and they're now casting out demons. And what's Jesus doing? Well, he's now going toe-to-toe with the religious elite who are not particularly impressed of what Jesus is doing. Jesus is shaking things up, and it's not just him. He has these, these ragtag fishermen, and he's like, hey, come with me. And he's like, yeah, I can't heal. You, you go heal him, and you cast out that demon. I'm busy over here. And this is going on, and there's a bunch of religious people who are getting a little freaked out. And so Jesus starts going toe-to-toe with the religious elite, And now they want to kill him because he's just turning everything upside down. And and I just kind of like, you you read this story and take it in for what it is. And I've just got a picture that at some point, you know, if you're one of these disciples, you know, it's just been another crazy day following Jesus. You know, he's just healed another blind guy, cast a demon out of some lady. Some, Some religious guy just threatened to murder him. And you know that Simon Peter's got this moment where he's just looking over at Andrew with just this look in his eye. He's just looking over there. And he's like, did, did you know it was gonna be like this? Like, you remember when we were like fishing? Like, did you know? Because he wants to kill him. Like, think this through for a second. They're going into this saying, we had, there's no way. I'm sorry, there's no way that they really understood what they were getting into when they started. Because, but that's what happens. When Jesus comes, he leads us into a way that we would never have otherwise imagined. I mean, I think they thought they knew what they were getting into. They thought they did. But I bet you the first time Jesus says, um, Peter, listen, I am really busy right now. This guy from the temple wants to kill me, um, but there's a lady over there that needs a healing. Would you just go heal her? Just, just do that. And the first time that happens, 
You know, Peter's just like, this is not what I thought I was getting into. And it's not that it was, it was not a bad thing. It's a great thing, but it's not what he expected. And here's the thing, to get in on the Jesus way and everything that goes with it, these disciples had to let go of their nets. They had to give up the Simon way. They had to give up the Andrew way in order to pick up the Jesus way. Do you catch that? Let me read that again. Walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw these two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. And they were fishing and they were throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. And Jesus said to them, follow me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And they didn't ask questions. They simply dropped their nets and they followed. They were fishing. And you want to know why they were fishing? Because they were fishermen. This is why they keep me around. I have a really firm grasp on the obvious, which is helpful. They were fishing because they were fishermen. It was, fishing was their way. It was the way that they ate. It was the way that they supported their families. It was the way that they'd known their whole lives. I bet you their dads were fishermen and their granddads were fishermen. And then when Jesus shows up, he just throws this giant curveball into their lives. He says, I want you to follow me. I'm going to make a new kind of fisherman out of you. Do you ever think about what that would look like if that happened in Nanaimo today? It'd be like Jesus going by the local auto shop. He sees two guys covered in grease working under an old Volvo. And he says, hey, follow me. Instead of fixing cars, I'm going to teach you how to fix people's lives. And then they just like sit up, they look at their boss and be like, see ya. Like, let's go. You know, and you know, their, their boss is like, well, what do I do about the Volvo? They'd be like, we're going with him. That's how disruptive this is. They, they, just, they wouldn't care. It would be like Jesus, you know, poking his head into a bakery. He says, you know, like, hey, you in the back, I want you to follow me. Instead of a recipe for bread, I want to give you a recipe for changing the world. And then it's kind of like, they just right there, it's like, huh, take off the apron. Mixer is still running now, unsupervised, out of control. It's like, see you later. And someone's like, blah, blah, blah. like, mm, see ya. Or it'd be like Jesus walking by, you know, the, the road construction crew. And he says, hey, hey, you two with the stop signs. <laughs> you, yeah, you. I want you to follow me. Instead of directing traffic, I want to teach you how to direct people into a life with God. And they just be like, they look over at the foreman, they'd be like, gotta go, out. Cars are honking, people are going nuts. It's a good strategy because all of those people are now swearing so much they need Jesus like crazy. It's like those guys are gonna be like, come back and be like, all right, now I heard what you said. Yeah. You see, that's the disruption that Jesus actually really brings into our lives. And I know it's funny in that last one, I'm thinking, you know, did that happen? Because I swear when I was at Northfield Road last week. Oh, anyways, okay, never mind. Um, that's what's going on. Look at this, look at this passage. They were fishing, throwing their nets and like it was their regular work. Jesus said, follow me. I love it. They didn't ask questions. They simply dropped their nets and they followed. That's crazy. 
Nothing else mattered to them at that point but taking on the way of Jesus. And they had had their own way for years. It was familiar, it was comfortable. But something happened when Jesus called them to follow. And you know what the thing about following is? It's not leading. Seriously, I told you, I have a really firm grasp on the obvious. I'm serious. That's the thing about following. We forget that when we, when we, lead, when we read this story. When these two guys were fishermen, they were leading themselves. They were leading their own lives. They figured out where they want to take their boat and cast their nets. They would do all that kind of stuff. But the moment that Jesus called them to follow and they said yes, they were not in charge anymore. Jesus was. Because that's the thing about following. It's not leading. And sometimes I think we've overemphasized leadership in the church. We talk so much about leadership, like, you know, about being a leader. It's not all about being a leader. It's about being a follower first. It's all about being a follower because when Jesus shows up in our lives, the two most important words we ever hear are follow me. And the big question we got to start asking ourselves is when Jesus says that to us, what, what do we do? I mean, things are not going to be that different for you right now today than when this story took place. Jesus calls you to follow him. And saying yes is not like taking up knitting. When Jesus called you to follow him, it was because he was about to take you to go do something crazy. That's the truth. We, I can't make it be something different. Jesus is going to say, hey, follow me. And I'm going to make you into something that you never knew you could be. And then we're just going to go cause some holy trouble. Does sound like a deal? And the question is, is just really for you, is what do you say to Jesus when he gives you that kind of an invitation? The scarier question is, what have you said to Jesus when he has given you that kind of invitation? See, there's a group of young people over here. We're all wearing really matching swag. Um, it's beautiful. All of them, they, they, earlier this year, they, they said, I, I, I'm in. We asked them if they wanted to go on a really big adventure and cause some holy trouble. That's, we, we refer to those as mission trips, but we just kind of said, what do you think about this? What would you think about? I know you got a way, you got, a thing, you got some things, you probably had some ideas of what you're going to do this year. What do you think about dropping those nets for a second, just following Jesus? We're just going to do something crazy. Just do something different. It's going to cost you a whole bunch of money. It's going to cost you a whole bunch of time. You're going to have to go to this thing called boot camp where you know, Pastor Ryan is going to make your life miserable. And then after that, we're going to go and step into a community to represent Jesus as best as we can and see what he wants to do through you. See, what, what happens when Jesus gives us these opportunities. See, we love seeing young people do incredible things for Jesus, incredible things with Jesus. And I know we want to see more of that, but I just got to level with you. Like, this just cannot be this, like, you know, next generation demographic response. You know, like, you know, I'm pretty sure that, like, you know, Peter and Andrew weren't, you know, later on being like, sorry, Jesus. Like, I'm 50. And like, my RESP requires regular. You guys go in. 
fish, you sell the fish, RESP, this is our RSP, you can tell what stage of life I'm in. I'm worried about our ESPs more than our RSPs, kids growing up, but whatever, you got your, your thing, you can put money in. See, Jesus doesn't say, well, this is only for you, or this is only for you. I think in whatever your context is, what Jesus is really looking for is saying, listen, I know you got your way. Like, you just, you got it all figured out. I know you got your way. But would you ever consider dropping your way to do something wild with me? Could we cause some holy trouble, like, just, just one time? The question is, what do you, what do, you do with that? And, and if we're going to figure out what we do with that, well, you know, you've got to face the difficult truth, which is that there are many of us who we would say we're following Jesus, but what we're really just doing is holding on to our nets and being a cheerleader. That's really it. You know, where we got our nets. We're like, yeah, I've got my, Jesus, do the thing. You're the best. I just got to do this. But you're awesome. Are we cheerleaders for the other people? We're still holding our nets. We're like, oh, you're doing it. Yeah, you let go of that net. You're the best. Here's a fish. But you just do that. We have a lot of really good ways that we can keep holding on to what's comfortable and just holding on to our way. But the thing is, is that make no mistake, Jesus is not just asking you to support other people in following him. He actually wants to see what happens if you were to choose his way in every way. You know, there wasn't like a Walmart down the road. So like the thing is when they left their nets, it wasn't like they were just like, it's okay, I got it on sale. They made those nets. It was one of those things like, you know, if you were a fisherman, you're going to have to have like, you know, hundreds of hours and a lot of rope because you can't just go buy a net. You got to make your net. And when you hear this story, remember that Simon and Andrew, they walked away from the way that they had built in order to follow Jesus' call. And I don't know what it is that you've built with your own two hands in your life. I don't know what that, your way of life looks like specifically, But I I do need to be honest with you and tell you that if you can't let go of the way that you've built, you'll never take a hold of the great adventure that Jesus wants to take you on. And listen, it's not like they lost their fishing skills. I'm sure from time to time, they're like, hey, we're hungry. Hey, can I borrow your net? Got to catch some fish. I'm sure that happened. But the, the thing is, is that they, they, the way they built for themselves was not number one on the priority list. The way that was the priority list was following Jesus. I think sometimes, you know, we don't like sacrifice and so we try to be really careful and we don't want to step on people's toes and churches and stuff. And so we want to make it sound like, hey, don't worry. Like, it's okay for you to say no to Jesus if you're in the following circumstances. But like, it's not, that's the problem. It's not. And I'm not saying that following Jesus is gonna lead you into some you know, crazy, reckless path of financial mismanagement as you, you know, sell everything you own and move across the country. But it might. And the bigger question isn't that, the bigger question is what is Jesus asking of you And are you willing to do it? Are you willing to trade the way that you have for the adventure he calls you to? 
When you won't let go of your net, you won't become fishers of men and women. When you won't let go of your way, you won't become a repairer of broken lives. You won't earn, learn the recipes that change the world. And you won't direct people into the life change that the kingdom of God brings. Let me tell you something about following Jesus. You're not going to know where he wants to take you. And it's not going to be normal. And it's not going to be safe. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be routine. But boy, is it going to be amazing. Boy, is it going to be good. You know, I love that we sang that song earlier talking about the character of who God is because the thing is when we declare God's goodness, the goodness of his character, we provide context for saying that, yeah, it sounds risky to lay down your nets. It sounds risky to say, well, I thought I had it under control, but I'm going to trust Jesus if he tells me to come with them over here. It sounds risky until you look at the character of God, until you understand how good he is and how wonderful he is. He's not, gonna, he's not looking to mess up your life in a bad way. He's going to mess up your life in a good way. He will take you to places that you never thought you'd go. But you can't follow Jesus if you won't let, won't let go of your net. And that's one of the reasons that we have this group of young missionaries. We believe that if we would just give them the chance to do something crazy, to leave their way and follow the Jesus way in a really particular way, that's a lot of ways that he would just use them to cause some holy trouble. So in just a moment, we're gonna commission our team. In just a moment, we're gonna invite our, our, our young missionaries to come and we would ask that you as a congregation would, would lay hands on them and, and, would, and pray for them as they go. But before we do that, I just wanna ask this question. What does Jesus find you holding on to when he calls you to follow him this morning? What is it that you've got? What can you let go of? Remember, following Jesus isn't like knitting. It's going to take you places you never thought you would go. And you know what would happen if you joined a crazy group of teenagers like these ones and said, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll let go of my way. Incredible things would happen. I always wondered when I read this story how many other people Jesus talked to before he got there. I'm serious. I, I actually wonder that on a regular basis and mostly just because of my own experience because I'm sitting here thinking when Jesus is doing what Jesus is doing and he comes by and he says, hey, follow me, I suspect that there may have been people who said, hey, Jesus, like, I'll cheer you on. But this is my way. This is the way I've done things. This is the way my family's done things. I'll cheer you on, but I'm not coming. The reason I suspect that may have been the case is because I just can't believe for a second that I was Jesus' first choice to do most of anything. And I mean that, like literally. I mean, I just look through. I'm like, man, there are people who are a lot smarter than me and a lot more talented than me and have way less like weirdness in general. Like just like, like you know, you ever have that moment as a Christian? Like you're just, you're talking to Jesus and you're like, that was plan B, wasn't it? Like, you know, you just kind of, you know, have that self-awareness there a little bit. But you know what the interesting thing is, is when Jesus is calling you, it has really nothing to do with all of your, you know, I get all your stuff. Yeah, well, I'm not good at this and I'm not good at that. Whatever, you know what? The only thing that matters is, is, is yes. Because Jesus takes people who say yes. He does incredible things with them in their lives. So where, where could you say yes to Jesus this week? I mean, yeah, I know, it might be out of your comfort zone. There might be some of you here that 
You're sitting there saying, man, like I got no experience working with, with kids. But you know, my church is doing this summer day camp thing. I feel like Jesus might actually be being like, hey, you should, hey, you, you should volunteer. And you're just like, Jesus, that's not my way. Maybe, just maybe, if you say yes, it's not about anything else but other than Jesus is sweet, now let's go do something wild. Where's Jesus calling you to say yes? I know some of you have a neighbor in your, in your, in your neighborhood, you haven't even talked to them yet. You lived there for like 20 years. You still like, you said like, hey, once. You, maybe they got your mail, you didn't exchange. And you start asking the real questions where, like, Jesus, what, what do you want me to do? And Jesus is like, oh, invite, invite them. Invite them for tea. Invite them for coffee. And you're like, Jesus, that's not my way. I'm an introvert. He's like, that's a nice net you've built there. But will you follow me? It's, it's not just the mega moments. It's the little moments. So where's Jesus asking you to say yes today? I want to invite our missions team to come and we're going to pray and commission them. We're going to be causing some holy mischief in the next couple of weeks. And uh, you guys just want to come and just right across the front here. And what I'd love to do is um, I would like to invite, if you probably just got to keep going. It's a big team. There's like, you know, it's like 24 of them or something. I should know that number before we leave, I figure, you know. There's 24 or something. But my rule is that it's, all, it's okay to be down 10%, like honestly, right? That's still an A, you know, so we could probably lose two of them and I'll still get to keep my job, so that's good. Uh, anyways, uh, we won't, I'm joking. We won't, just parents are freaking out now. It's okay, we won't lose them. Um, and actually, I know you guys are super comfortable, but can I ask you guys actually to stand and take a step forward? And if you've got um, a son or a daughter here, or maybe you've got a grandson or a granddaughter, uh, maybe you've got a really good friend, maybe you're a youth leader, um, but would you just come and can we just put a hand on this incredible group of young people that was really brave to say, okay, Jesus, I'm just gonna lay down my net and my way to go do something wild for you. Would you just come, come right now? And uh, maybe we could stand together if you're able as a congregation. Let's stand together. And I'm gonna invite... Uh, I'm going on this trip, so I'm going to join the group, actually. And I'm going to invite Clayton, who is one of our missions committee members and who's also a longtime Vertigo leader, has been on many of these trips himself. I'm going to invite Clayton just to pray a commissioning prayer over this team. And, uh, and then we'll dismiss shortly after that. So, Clayton, would you, uh, would you lead us? I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Where's my... All right. Uh, this is really cool. Uh, so Lord, we just thank you so much for the hearts of every man and woman here today, um, that they have said yes to the call, uh, that you have tapped their hearts, and when they turned around and saw you, they were excited to go. Um, and we don't sell short some of the things they had to overcome to get here, but we thank you that their attitude is yes. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would fill each and every one of them with your power to raise the dead, to give the blind sight, to give speech to the mute and to know that it was through you. Um, I pray that as they're traveling up there, they would look left and right and see their brothers and sisters and know they are a unit. 
that they're all brothers and sisters because they have the same father, the same father that's going before them and has for centuries prepared the way for this visit. Uh, we thank you for the prayers of and the forerunners who have prayed over this trip, um, for our ancestors who have prayed for the hearts of these people in this community. God, thank you that you are an active God. And so we just pray right now that they would walk in wholeness there, that any attacks from the enemy would be gone in Jesus' name, that they'd be able to see your call. I pray that when they come back, we would hear stories of salvation, uh, stories of miracles, Lord. Um, And I pray you would blow the floodgates off of their expectations for the trips that uh, the small fence they may have built on what they expect to happen, I pray you would tear that down and show them the open field of, of possibilities with you. So Lord, thank you so much. And we send them uh, this week uh, with your blessing in your hand over top of them, knowing that they go with a mission, uh, with your call on their lives, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in your great name. Amen. Before, um, Clayton, thank you so much. But hey, before, Bella, Bella team, before you sit down, just one last thing. Here's, here's, here's the way I would like to end our service and do something a little bit different. So I just so appreciate the support and you just blessing them and being like, you're gonna go do something amazing with Jesus because when Jesus called you, you said, I'm in. But you know what? I just, I need to recognize that there's, there's, uh, there's another few hundred people here that, listen, God actually wants to do something pretty brave and amazing through you this week. And I don't want to undersell that. Like, yeah, they're going on a mission trip. They're going to get on an airplane. They're going to get on a boat. They're going to do all that kind of stuff. But every single one of you has an opportunity this week where if Jesus would say, would you do this? And you're like, oh, it's a little bit out of my, but if you would just say yes, what God would do. If you would just say yes, if you would just be brave, you know, and as, as a group of young people, we've been praying that God would make our entire church brave enough to say yes to Jesus all the time. And I know some of you are afraid that if you say a big yes to Jesus, that he is going to make you sell your house and like move to Thailand. But the, the reality is that the, that listen, if, if God's been trying to get your attention about that, you already know it. You're just being disobedient, okay? Like, I'm just going to call you out on that. I mean, if God is trying to tell you to do that, he already talked to you, and you just need to stop being rebellious. But anyways, there's a whole nother thing. For most of you, what it is, is that if you just say yes, God is going to open up in front of you this very week, this opportunity where you could continue to do it your way, or you could just drop your net and say, I'm going to try something different with Jesus, and something beautiful will happen. So what I'd like to do, if you're willing, is Bella Bella team, this is good wind up because you guys have a lot of ministry responsibilities this week. I would just ask you, if we could create some space around the team, if you would just sit there and say, you know what? I need someone to pray for me. I want God to pray that my words would be blessed, that my actions would be strengthened, that as I say yes to Jesus, beautiful things would happen. Would you come and could we have our members of our team pray over you for this week? Is that okay? Can we do that? Okay. So if you'd like prayer, you can come, come close, come close, come on, don't be shy. If you just sit there and say, hey, I would just need, I, I would love for a young missionary who is just full of courage to follow Jesus to put a hand on my shoulder this morning and bless me and send me to the things that God tells me to say yes to. If you would like that, I would just invite you to come. Let's create some space, spread out team, make sure that there's everyone who wants a prayer. We're gonna pray. 
And we're gonna pray that this is not a one-sided week of God doing great things. This is not just gonna be about, you know, a bunch of teenagers in Bella Bella. This is gonna be about what happens in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family. Come on, right? Okay. Okay, team, if you would just, if you got someone in front of you, you just put a hand on their shoulder. Would you just begin just to pray for God's strength and blessing in their life? Just begin to, to speak courage over their life. And congregation, would you just reach your hands towards these? Would you just reach your hands toward those that are just ready to say yes in a big way? So Jesus, we pray for every person in this place. Every person who, you know, we get it. We're all just lowly fishermen. We get it. We're all just average people. And yet you come along and you invite us into something so much bigger than we would ever have dreamed. And so Jesus, I pray that today that you would break small thinking off of the minds of every person in our church. God, I pray that today would be the day that you just give us a leap of courage and bravery in our lives to say yes to you when you ask us to step out of our comfort. And Lord Jesus, I pray for every conversation and every kind action this week that it would be ignited by your spirit, that it would do great things. And Father, we now don't just commission our team, we commission our congregation to the way of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen, amen. So glad that you've come to be with us this morning in this somewhat unorthodox service. But uh, as you go, let me give you a blessing. And I would invite you to grab a cup of coffee, to take some time to, you know, fellowship with one another. But this is my tradition. It's the way that I like to close services. And so I have the microphone, so they let me do stuff. I'm just going to do that. Is that okay? In, uh, in ancient times, when someone wanted to give another person a blessing, they would raise their hands like this. And those who wanted to receive a blessing would do the same. And I would just invite you, if you would like to receive a blessing, no matter where you are, would you raise your hands? May the courage in your heart be so much louder than your fears. May your eyes be locked onto the way of Jesus. And may everything you undertake this week be empowered for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.